Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of Bright Time. This episode has Brian Waller joining us. Brian was one of my, and still is, one of my closest friends. We met back in Binghamton, and naturally, we had a lot of stories to talk about from our time there, including the fraternity that we basically started together and lots of great stories in our three years that we overlapped. In addition to our time at Binghamton, we talked about our time at Hofstra Law School together, where Brian was one year behind me. And then we moved on to some law stories. Brian Waller was a district attorney or assistant district attorney in the Bronx DA. So he had a lot of interesting stories from those days. And he's currently a criminal defense lawyer and, and commercial litigator. And uh, so we hit a lot of fun topics. I think you're going to enjoy Brian very much. And if you think about it, you're really lucky because today you get two Brian's for the price of one. So without further ado, I bring you Brian. What does a man with a lot of interesting friends and some time in his hands do? He starts a podcast. Welcome to Bright Time, a sit down with a different person from Brian's inner circle. So get ready. It's Bright Time. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you, Brian. <laughs> How are you, Brian? So, uh, you know, in my intro, I, I said that, um, you know, basically it's a real bargain for everyone listening to this podcast because they get two Brian's for the price of one. That's right. And that would be us. So, um, you know, it, this is exciting. And, you know, I, I guess I'm a little distracted. Brian has his um, cell phone in his hand. And it looks like it's something he wants to read. You're already ruining it because this is a prop that you can't see because it's radio. Oh, so, oh so you want me to erase it? I could, no, you don't, I don't want to you don't any have jokes. To. You don't have to. But it seems like you want the floor, so let me just give it over to you right now. I just now. wanted to be prepared for my answers. Okay, so you don't want to read anything? or <laughs> <laughs> No, not at all. Okay, okay. So I'm going to be completely natural okay. and unscripted. Well, as you know from listening to the first three podcasts... Um, the way we, I always start is I ask the person to tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, you know, maybe a little childhood stuff, just the basics so people know who's who, who they're listening to. So, sound good to you? Sure. Where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> My father was a relentlessly self-improving boulangerie owner from Belgium with low-grade narcolepsy and a penchant for buggery. <laughs> My mother was a 15-year-old French prostitute named Chloe with webbed feet. My father would womanize. He would drink. He would make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark. <laughs> Sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy. <laughs> the sort of general malaise that only the genius possess and the insane lament. My childhood was typical. Summers in Rangoon. Luge lessons. In the spring, we'd make meat helmets. <laughs> when I was insolent, I was placed in a burlap bag and beaten with reeds. Pretty standard, really. At the age of 12, I received my first scribe. At the age of 14, a Zoroastrian named Vilma ritualistically shaved my testicles. There really is nothing like a shorn scrotum. It's breathtaking. I highly suggest you try it. <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you, Brian, compared to other people's you know, background when I asked, that, that's much more interesting. It was quite inconsequential. <laughs> um, that sounds very familiar. Austin Powers. 
That's that's right. Yes. Well, well, and, well done. And I will tell you that when I, it's always been one of my favorite lines. And when I got divorced my first time, and we'll get to that, wait, I'm sure. Wait, this was how many divorces? I, okay, can, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <clears throat> I, I moved into my own studio and I was like alone for the first time and truly alone because I had, you know, family growing up and then college and then I was married. I, uh, I memorized that whole thing and I never had a chance to use it. And then I thought, here's my, here's my opportunity. You know, so, uh. <clears throat> I remember that now. That was great. Now I can really uh, tell, you, tell you my background. Wait, that wasn't it? It was. Okay. But, you, but if you had a parallel life with that, a different background, yeah. what would it probably be? So there's an interesting part of my, my life, which is I was born in New York City, but raised initially in Yonkers on State Or Lane. And then in second grade, my and parents... Why, why is that relevant? Well, my parents decided in second grade, you know what? This place is kind of a dump. We're gonna we want we would like to be upwardly mobile. We're gonna move to the suburbs, and we moved to Yorktown Heights in northern Westchester. And I had a really nice childhood, and then I went to Binghamton uh, and met you, and learned that around the time I met you, when you were in college, your parents decided that they had had enough of the Bronx and wanted to be upwardly mobile and moved to Sador Lane, the place that you just fled. That we fled in, in like second years. grade. Yes, yeah. correct, correct. And I believe your dad still lives there now. He does. He does. Yeah. So we we lived on the same block at different times. We did. Which I, is great. I lived in the building up on the hill overlooking the other lowly buildings. Yeah. You were down in Like building. a medieval castle looking Correct. down on Correct. Castle the on the hill. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> building five. So we did have that. We did yes. Have that. Right behind Roosevelt High School. Which, you which is where I would have gone if I hadn't moved in second grade. But your brothers actually went to Roosevelt High School. That's that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You know, it just goes to show which family was doing better. That's right. So, um, all right. So, so you um, you grew up in <clears throat> Yorktown Heights, correct? And what was that like? It was suburban, <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like affluent suburban. It was like uh, it was almost Putnam County, and now we're talking redneck. Yeah. So, so for people who don't really know, so I live in Westchester, pretty low, wet, lower Westchester, yes. not too far from the city. You're practically Scarsdale. That's <laughs> well, I finally made it. But yes. but Yorktown is at the very northern edge of Westchester. Correct. You're quite, I mean, half an hour from me and quite a distance from, you know. It's near Peekskill. That's right. Which that helps anybody. Well, that's where the Facts of Life school is. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. You know, when you're on 9A, you look up on the hill, there's like this building up there. That was the Facts of Life school? That's the Facts of Life school. I didn't know that. I always wondered what that building was. Yeah. All right. So, so you grow up in Yorktown, you go to Yorktown High School. um, Lakeland High School. Lakeland? Okay. Yeah. When you graduate, a member for the seniors, they all vote you for something. And you were voted something, weren't you? (laughs) (laughs) You did your research. Uh, Yeah, I was most school-spirited. What did that mean? I don't know. But But there's a picture in the yearbook of me with one of those big foam number one fingers for the school. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. And Patty Santamarina, Uh who went to Binghamton with us, was my, my female counterpart. For that award, oh, I had forgotten that that Family? she was that. So I assumed you knew her. You met her in in Binghamton, but you no, knew her before. We went, yeah, went to high school together. And Stacy Goldstein, who's married to Ross, yep. went to yep. was a friend in high oh, school that's, too. That's the Patty's. Patty's yeah. a great girl. She's Super great. Nice. And you you dated her first. Oh, Stevens now. Yeah, right, yeah. Yes. And you dated her for some short period of time. Or I didn't a minute? date her. We were always friends. Okay. We may have hooked up once or twice. Okay. Do you think she'd mind that being out there? I don't think so. I, I did. I remember when I saw her again, when I was looking, she, she worked at a hedge fund and she was helping me out when I was looking to work at one. And I made some kind of joke like, if you want, I know you're married, but I could try to get you back with Brian. 
<laughs> yeah, we never, we never, we were never a couple. Okay. All right. So you you um, you grew up in Yorktown, and then what college did you go to? It's a very small, obscure school, <laughs> Binghamton. It was oh, called. That's right, Binghamton. Yes, yes. That's where we met. You'd only know it if you lived in Binghamton. <laughs> that's right. That's right. If you're from Binghamton, you would know it. Well, you know. Well, it's it's funny. You you were a year behind me. Correct. So um so I was when I was starting my sophomore year, you and I met for the first time because right. you were a freshman. Do you remember specifically when we first met? I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> so I started out freshman year and you know the freshmen come up a week before everybody else. So we were the freshmen were in the in the hall and I don't remember who my RA was, but what I do remember is you pulled up. Oh, maybe Tim was already there. You pulled up in your Celica, <laughs> your gray silver Celica, <laughs> That's right. packed to the brim. And somebody convinced us or told us that we all, the freshmen, had to go down and help you unpack. So you pulled up in front of Shenango, <laughs> and all of us minions went down and basically introduced ourselves and, and then took all your stuff upstairs. Yeah, that was Is great. that what you remember? I, I exactly remember. Okay. And I, I remember just turning to someone, I'm like... I'm like in sophomore year. This is this could work for me. You were the king. I was the king for that moment. And then it turned out we lived just a door down from each other on the third floor of Shenango. That's right. And so what I remember distinctly, you know, obviously we appreciated you unpacking for me, but we didn't become best friends no. from the unpacking. But you were you were door down and you had your little you were in a triple and you had you named your little corner of the floor Club Paradise. That's correct. Can, tell us about Club Paradise. Well, you remember Club Paradise was a movie, uh-huh. and we had the movie poster. We yeah. hung it up there. But there were two triples right across the hall from each other, and mine wasn't so good. In terms of, of roommates? Of my roommates, uh-huh. yeah. I had uh, this guy, Gabe, who was a, a complete musclehead homebody. He never He just laid in his bed with headphones on. And uh, he had also had very another affectation. He wore sunglasses indoors. He wore all the sunglasses time. indoors, and he always wore some sort of sweat pants, <laughs> sweat suit. He, he was an odd bird. He was very unfri- unfriendly, unsocial, non-social. And then my because, other, he could be a listener, so just. And then my him. other roommate was Zach Newman, who I'm still friendly with. With Zach, Zach's a good guy. Zach's a good guy, an outgoing guy. He wasn't. He was nothing like the, Gabe. The problem with Zach was he was a little overwhelming to me. Okay. Like he was, Remember, Zach, I forgot to tell you, he was also a listener. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, Molly. But Zach and I are still friendly, but yeah. he, it, was, uh, it was very, um, he was very enthusiastic about being in school. Yeah. And uh, you, you had a lot of school spirit, too. It's evidenced by the award that you won just months that's before. Right. I, am, I am very spirited yeah. towards so, my school. So what was Club Paradise about? Club Paradise was the three, the six freshmen on the end of the hall, and... Uh, I don't know. It was just our little hangout area. There's not much more to tell other than we were the freshmen. And, it, and, and you had a little name for that corner. That's right. And you also had something called story time. I did have story what, time. What was story time? Story time. So and by the way, by the way, I will just jump a little ahead without ruining it. Story time involved telling stories, and you'll get to that. Yeah. But one of the characteristics that Tim and I noticed quickly about story time is story time could go on for a long time. And because the podcast is limited, I would encourage you not to take the story time approach. I tend to be a little long-winded in my stories, for sure. But what was story time? So across the hall, there were three other freshmen, and that was a good room. That was Dave Brenner. Right there. That seems an oxymoron. It it almost seems weird. Was it Dave Brenner? But it was Dave Brenner. Yeah, I think it was. And John Berger. Yep. Who, you know, I was very good friends with. And Cliff Reynante. 
That's right, Cliff. Who I still like, at least on Facebook, I still talk to okay. uh, to Cece, his but, his but, wife. But two of the three are current friends. Yeah. So I would I would have things that were going on, like either conflicts in my room, or I was like girl crazy for all the girls, and I didn't do anything with them. I just from afar, you, I had a lot of crushes, <laughs> and I would go across at night when they were in bed. Literally, they were tucked into bed. And I would just come into the room and I would tell them stories about me, <laughs> about who I was crushing on or what was going on in my room. And that was it. I would just and, go and in. And they, they, were, they were good with that. They liked hearing these they stories. They loved it for me to come in and just tell them stories yeah. while they were in bed, like with their, like under the covers. <laughs> I remember this. And I remember we didn't, I, Tim and I, who were right next door, we didn't really know that you were doing this until some point we had heard. And at that point, we um we wanted to come to story time i mean it sounded like amazing thing so we yes. came to we came to story time. oh you did oh we did and after about three four minutes we're like what the hell <laughs> and we ran out of there <laughs> like the place was on fire the stories were only about me yeah yeah maybe it was just me telling about my about me but anyway, it, that it was, was a, it it was basically the precursor to this podcast <laughs> and you could think now that they were laughing at me but I'm still pretty convinced after all this time that they were laughing with me. Uh, well, you know, you were always, you always had a, a positive, when it was about <coughs> you, you had a positive spin about it. Like, for example, in Binghamton, you always thought that girls were looking at you and giving you the eye and were interested. And at some point, some point, I don't know, it may have been 10 years later, <laughs> you realized that I was usually right. No, no. I, I to this day, think you were not. But there, I, the story you're remembering, it wasn't 10 years later. It was in Binghamton. And we were in... In the pub, so we were in the. We were going to go in an elevator, and some girl did look at you, and I had to admit that the girl looked at you, and she seemed interested. The girl who I'd already told you that. Yes, yeah, so you yes. you've proven your point. I mean, but it was a sample set of one. Yeah, I feel I could probably, if I remembered, point out countless others that maybe they weren't looking at you. Well, in the beginning, it wasn't girls that liked me; it was the girls who I liked. Yeah, but it was too. Or, no, but the point was that. You thought they were showing some in- reciprocal interest. No, not these girls. Okay. These are just like, I think she's okay. really yeah. cute. Oh, you're talking about story time in the subject. In the story time, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, but throughout college, there yes. were many, many, many of times the other stories, correct. Like, and oh, I still to this day like, maintain that I was right about every one of them. Yeah, well, it's, well, you know, one of those mysteries that will never get solved. So, um, all right. So, we know the Brian, Brian origin story. I mean, we can go in a lot of directions with Binghamton. I mean, Binghamton was the formative part of our friendship and i don't know if you have any particular stories about me and you becoming better friends but the obvious one is that we started the fraternity together that's right and while there were 26 guys in total who were founders you and i were the founding president and vice president and you know we, we touched on some of this in in lon's podcast but why it's worth going over again is you and i really built it together we did yeah yeah we really did and and more than just built it together it was our baby like in the sense that we really wanted to build a great fraternity. And it wasn't simply to meet girls, which was obviously one of the reasons we were doing it. But in terms of the organization, how it was received, its reputation, we cared about all those details. We, I, I, Looking back on it, we were very immature, except as it, came, as, it was, as it pertained to starting the fraternity, we were very mature and very responsible and did everything, I think, right. But in every other aspect of our life, we were like little knuckleheads. kids, yeah, knuckleheads. Like, like terrible. Like, yes. But you're right. And it's funny. I, To me, the, when we started the fraternity together and you and I were trying to make it a success, that was the first time in my 20 years, so I must have been about 20, that 
I put something over myself. That's you right. Know, because what, think about it. Until you, when you're a teenager and even uh, you know early, late teens and early twenties, you're an immature, selfish person. It's all about you and That's how right. people react to you and do people like you. This was literally the first time I had where I cared about something something greater than me. And and we had a lot of detractors in the, <laughs> in, in those days. Hello, and. It was amazing because we really were able to overcome the detractors and keep focused on the goal, which was to build a good, a great fraternity. Do you mean the detractors within the fraternity? Or yes. Without? Yeah. Well, both. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a specific, you know, you remember, Brian and I remember these stories like it was yesterday because they were, they were definitely formative for us. But the two Howies who that, lived in our house when we lived off campus in the Tep House, um, they believed that we were Machiavellian you know, correct conspiracy. You know, trying to manipulate people, and occasionally, because one of them had a shared a wall with your bedroom, yeah, they would. You know, we'd be in your bedroom trying to plan how to do something, or there was going to be a big vote. And but this was also this was already after we had started the fraternity. That, that's this was true. In the tap house. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and um, you know, they thought we were just, you know, just manipulative, and and the funny thing is, to some degree, they were right, but but the, they had our motivations wrong. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Like, we really did care only about starting a fraternity that would last a long time. And by the way, it's 30 years later. Yeah. And until extremely recently, yeah. the fraternity has been very strong on yeah. campus. One of the top ones we've One heard. of the top And they'll be back again. Ones. They got suspended for a year And we, two. even back then, we used to talk about our goal being that this fraternity will be here for many, many years after we're gone. Yeah, absolutely. Because we actually had foresight. That was beyond our normal That's thinking, right. which was that, okay, we got a couple of years in Binghamton with the fraternity, but it would be great if we have, as alumni, years and years of enjoyment. That's so right. we were right about that. I do remember, you know, there was some truth to the Machiavellian part. Like, for example, you'll remember that at the very beginning when we were starting it, Tim dropped out of the fraternity. Yes. Because he felt $105 in dues to hang out with the same friends he already had was excessive and he wasn't going to pay it. So he dropped out. And then we proceeded to have some amazing parties. That's and, right. And a lock-in with some fraternity. And we everyone come back and saying we'd have the greatest time. And he realized he made a mistake. So he decided he wanted to come back, but he'd already dropped out. So there had to be a vote to let him come back in because we had pledged That's ourselves. Right. That's right. And he, he would have avoided all that pledging. So you and I... Loved him. He didn't come back in until after the pledge program. That's right. I until you said that, I forgot. Yeah. So so we knew there was going to be resistance because the guys were like, "Well, we did all this stuff, so we were going to have to have a vote." And the way it worked is when we would have a vote, we'd have open discussion about it. And as president, I would have the gavel, and when someone would speak, we'd pass the <clears throat> gavel to them. Right. And that meant it was their turn to speak. But I, as president, had control of the speaker list. Yes. So we had plot. We would plot out how are we going to get Tim back in. Well. We know who are his supporters. We need to have a strong supporter speak first, and then we'll put a detractor second. We used to talk about this. Someone. We used to talk about this stuff all the time, Endlessly. but not in a in an in it with in an evil way. Like That's we right. really had good intentions. That's right. That's and it right. was just like regular politics. Now that's right. You have to yeah. figure out a way to get what you want, and, and we did, and we did. And so in, in the Tim case, you know, we 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 I we plotted out who was going to speak when, and I remember I, I wanted Dave Brenner to be the final speaker on on the pro Tim Comeback side because Dave was kind of with the other guys who thought, you know, we were always manipulative. He, he but in seemed this case, like he was the detra- a detractor. Yeah, that's right. But he, but he was, he was a big Tim fan and yes. I put him at the end and, you know. We reached across the aisle. We did. We did. And, and we got Tim back in and uh, it was great. And then there were some people who who 
arguably should not have been in the fraternity. Like but, who? but we wanted numbers also. Like, no, that's, oh, we, should, we probably shouldn't say this because they are fraternity brothers. Well, it, it wasn't that we didn't want them because we didn't like them. It's yeah. because they were very anti-fraternity. And they oh, were, oh, the third the, the third floor guys. Cor- well, we'll just label them together. Not yeah. me. Me and Tim were third floor guys, but no, there's no, a section. Right, 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 right. Because at this point, I was on the second floor. Yeah. Right? That's yes, right. Yes, right, right. Yeah, the third floor guys, they thought fraternities sucked, but here they were coming to the parties and loving it. That's but, right. So they, they were they were like, they were interested, they were curious, but they weren't really going our way. And we cajoled them into actually joining and paying right. dues. That's right. And uh, and we were it was great that we had them. I That's mean, right. one of those people turned out to be f- famous for one thing. Mark Melendez <laughs> was so we had just started the fraternity. We were the new guys on campus, and it was our first time that we uh, it was our first time that we we were in the Greek God competition, and we fucking won it. That's true. <laughs> we did. Am I allowed to curse? Is this, I, a, this I, HBO? It's encouraged, in fact. Okay. And we, and we won it. And Mark and won, won it. it. Mark, Mark won Mark it. Mark Melendez won it for us. That's right. And Mark was great because he wasn't even like a huge like built – like a lot of the guys were the guys who just worked out. It was a workout crazy. competition in their mind, but he wasn't. It, it wasn't. He wasn't. He, he was, was a Latin lover. a Latin lover. <laughs> and the girls loved him. They went crazy and he won. That's right. And it was, the, it, was, it was fantastic. By the way, you know who Mark Melendez dated? Who? Elise. Oh, I did know that. I did know that. <laughs> For like two minutes. Yeah, but it's, it's the gin. By the way, this is the second podcast where we're talking about who who Elise dated. Yes. I don't want to suggest that she gets around or got around back then. I think it's just happenstance. But yeah, so Mark won. By the way, I don't know. You know, we're 20 minutes in and we could do we could do all Binghamton. We could. Should we do the Mark Melendez toga story? Where we, where we hung Howie Meyer up the drive. <laughs> I don't know if I remember it. All right, I'll tell. I, I will. Got, uh, I will. I'm sure if you, if yeah, you tell. Yeah, I'm going to tell this not... really quickly, if it's possible. Even all right, Mark Melendez wants to join Greek God and represent the fraternity. We allocate some money for him. Um, we have a vote. We and well, maybe we didn't allocate it. And then he wins, and he wants to be reimbursed like fifty <laughs> bucks for his toga or something. We had no idea he was going to buy the toga. He paid for it. He, I guess he paid for it. And he just assumed we were going to pick it up and you know he wanted for us i mean yeah. so we have him our at our weekly meeting he asked for the money back or before the meeting he asked and we have an executive board meeting how he is the treasurer <laughs> at this point <laughs> and we say mark wants 50 bucks we're not paying 50 bucks 50 bucks back then was 50 million dollars it really was yeah. we had nickel nickel yeah that pictures. Was, was several kegs i mean yeah. we weren't going to give him several kegs for his toga yeah. so we you know we said okay howie you know during the meeting you'll announce that you know, unfortunately, we can't pay because of our budgetary reasons. So the meeting happens. He announces that. And Mark Melendez proceeds to get very upset. Um, he got confrontational? Well, he, he started to cry. I can't, be- <laughs> I can't believe my brothers would do this to me. And this is terrible. And when he started to really tear up. I remember this now. The whole fraternity turned against the executive board. Yes. And now, and they're all turning against Howie, who had announced it. And, you know, we agreed with Howie. We, so we should have st- stood up, president, vice we president, and say, right say you know, no, this was a joint decision with the executive board. But we didn't do that. We just sat there and just got lower in our chair and kept quiet and let him take all the abuse, which is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> it wasn't his fault. So, and then we got up and said, we've made it an executive decision. And we just gave him the money. We gave him the money. Yeah. We, 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 politically, we he knew should, That was the right decision. It was. I mean, after, you know, the good press, he, he put us on the map. So the Founding Fathers did our own pledge program. 
And we were being advised by Craig Harris, who's the one guy who lived in college in the woods, where all the where fraternities, all the fraternities were. So he had a little bit of insight as to how you run these things. And he didn't always, it wasn't his fault, he, he didn't have bad intentions, but he didn't always give the best advice. So he came up with a pledge event that we, that we agreed to do. And I hope you remember this story because it was great. Uh, we went, into, like the, we went into the basement of the, of the, uh, of the dorm and we, we gave them all the sprinkles, right? We gave them like uh, – And uh, graph paper. I don't remember graph paper. Oh, you do the sprinkles part. So the sprinkles, we gave them like buck, uh, bins of, of colored sprinkles. And we told them that the event was that they had to separate the sprinkles out into the individual colors. That's right. And, and of course, Craig got this idea – from hearing about it from other fraternities. And Correct. He felt like if, if you're going to pledge a fraternity, you got to put in the time and do that's these right. kind of events. That's right. But which we, was antithetical. But our guys, we were the founding fathers doing it to ourselves, so they didn't have a lot of patience or tolerance for, for, for shenanigans. And we did this. And I remember the guy who was the angriest was Dave Brenner. I remember yeah. Dave Brenner led the mutiny. I, I think he's still angry. I think he is too. <laughs> so we had this, the, these guys were sitting there and it maybe lasted for about three minutes before <laughs> Brenner was like, this is bullshit. What are we doing? This is not what opportunity is supposed to be about. And we, and we were kind of like in a bind here because we were in the middle of a mutiny. Yeah, they were, they were up in arms and they wanted to get rid of us. They started throwing the sprinkles. It started to be a sprinkle fight. It was making a mess. But they were pissed And we... Came up with the explanation <laughs> on the spot. On the spot, it was genius that we that that we were never going to actually actually ask them to do something so stupid and demeaning. And, and demeaning. We were only going to let, let them do it for five minutes and then make a point that this was all about trust. And, and we you ne- trusted and we, us, that's right. and you guys couldn't even make it the five minutes. <laughs> you had no trust How in, did we in come us. Up with that? We made I don't them, know. And they just sat there sheepishly, and, and they were just like, "Ooh, we're idiots." We really failed this test. <laughs> it was totally mad. We were actually doing it. Was Craig made us do it? Yeah, Craig. And we, I, I think we may not have even wanted I think, now that I think about it, <laughs> that we actually said to Craig, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't yeah. think our guys are going to go for it. He's like, no, all the fraternities do it. It's great. <laughs> and and I, remember, I even remember thinking, this could take like months yeah, <laughs> to sort all the sprinkles. Excuse me. We didn't have any conception. Like, how, when are we going to end it? What are we going to do? We, it wasn't we a just, well thought out yeah, plan. Craig, we, Craig was always badgering us to do more of this. That's right. And we just kind of like gave That's up. Right. By the way, Craig, if you're listening in Florida, we love you. Obviously, this is not about you. Um, it's us. And Craig, <laughs> by the way, contributed an enormous amount to those early days. Oh, absolutely. He, he mean, really did teach us. To, I mean, m- more often than not, his ideas were good right. ideas. But that, so. one, but that one backfired. But, uh, but, on that, but we turned it into a good thing. We turned it into a good thing. And it wasn't us really being manipulative. It was us just uh, yeah. covering our asses. I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a million fraternity stories. A million. But, um, oh, I, I did have um, one thing I had to point out. When are we going to talk about Zoroastrianism? <laughs> what did you say? Zoroastrianism. What is it? Oh, that was in my oh, opening, oh, sorry, my opening speech. Yeah, I was. Because you was, like to talk about Buddhism yeah, I was Stoicism. Too, yeah. I was going to do Zoroastrianism. During your, speech, yeah, I was, during your speech, I was just kind of living my life. So <laughs> it went on for a long time. It did. It did. I, I was, was even timing it on the train. I was practicing. I, I was getting concerned about you know how much I'm going to have to edit well, it out. Well, I even thought, you don't know when it's going to end, so yeah. you're going to start to squirm in your in your seat. I, I never squirm when I have the ability to edit afterwards. So. To all of your listeners, you can literally hear... My speech starting to slur. It, it's funny that the drink. Way. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, such a lightweight. No, well, you drink fast the first one, but I. All right, so 
Um, a couple of things I, I from our listeners who know you, they wanted me to bring up. Can you tell the stories from one of our listeners, not the one from Romania? Um, Are they tweeting live now? <laughs> no, no, no questions? No, no, well, they might be. Apparently, one day we had a um, we had a party at the Tep House, and the back door was pulled off its My hinges. My favorite story of all time. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. Okay. Sorry. So that those so the the back door of our house, which was an apartment building, was the second floor, was ripped off, and we for a while we didn't have a yes. back door. So what did that lead to? <laughs> what did that lead to? Do, do you remember something happened? Yes. Of, of the oh, door? You, that story. Yes. Okay. Yes. So. Well, I don't know. It's, well, we'll get so, to another story. But do you know the story? Well, I know the story that I'm prompting you to because yes. that only makes sense. Yeah. I don't know the story. You so let me had. just tell you about the story about about the the door coming off. Okay. Well, actually, I'll tell you the story about what happened afterwards, and then you tell that story. And I, I don't remember the story, but this came directly. But is this is this the story? Not of the door coming off, but about what happened. Let there me, was tell, a con- that. There let was me a tell that story. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay. If, I hope this is the story you're referring to. Well, but, we can always have. So the no, door... Remember, this is not story time. So. The door broke off the back, and that was the door to the fire escape. And a lot of us use the fire escape entrance all the time. But the door Just was broken off. Just to get out of the house. Right. And we lived downtown in the seediest part of Binghamton, right next to the bus station, which was like <laughs> tiny. And Paul's. The greatest because nobody would come time. to Binghamton by nobody bus would come That's right. So the, all we did for months was just the door was leaning against the opening. And by the way, this was in winter. so In winter, yeah. So and we have, I no, we have had the room next to the door. <laughs> and did. right across, it was like a little wing of the house. Like there was the main area. And then there was this wing and there were three rooms down there. It was Howie Sendrovitz, Howie Meyer, and me. And I was closest to this door. And across from our rooms were the three bathrooms. So the whole fraternity house goes out to play softball for one day and we come home I, I'm, I'm feeling from your your facial expressions that this is not the story no you're i think it about. is i think it is okay so we all go out to play softball one weekend i wasn't here day, for this by the way so and we come back uh to the to the house and we come up the fire escape and we move the door off the opening that was there <laughs> and we look into the bathroom which is right there on the right and there was a homeless person in the bathroom using the bathroom and we're looking at him. We're all standing there in the doorway of the bathroom, and looking way, we're still at the kids, guy. And this is an adult. In, That's right. He was an house. adult, and we're looking at him like, "What the what the hell are you doing in our house?" And he just we didn't say anything. And he said he looked at us and goes, "This is the most disgusting <laughs> bathroom I have ever seen in my entire life." And Dave Robinson looks at him and he said, "You don't like it." And get the fuck out of our house. <laughs> a bum off the street who, who broke into our house to use the bathroom. Yep. It was it, it was, was worse than the bus it. station bathroom. <laughs> that is which great. is what he was using. Yeah, so that was a story that um that I wanted you to recount. And that is a true story, yeah. So uh so we had that. Oh, by the way, I have another statement. I, I'm just gonna read this and because you know, we don't want time to get short. This is from another listener, and it says freshman year, Brian dated Nicole, oh. who later married Ted, who was yeah. a Binghamton friend. And then junior year, Brian Waller dated Suzanne, who late, later married our fraternity brother, Hal. And you're forgetting that I also dated Laura Hansen, who is now married to Steve Nitzwicky. That's so correct. So what do we make? So they date you. Yeah. It ends. That's right. And then they go with... Everyone, it, in they this, improve? Yeah. everyone in this fraternity was always taking my leftovers. <laughs> That's how you see it? No. These were all great girls. Yes. Just not for me. Yeah, no. Oh wait, you're suggesting you broke up with them? No, 
<laughs> they were all upgrading. Speaking of, of uh, dating, um, you'll, of course, remember that you and I, it was my senior year, your junior year, we decided that we wanted to start double dating because there wasn't a lot of dating going on in college. It was kind of, you know, you meet girls, but not in a date format. We wanted to start double dating based on theme weeks. <laughs> that was you awesome. And so, and what I mean by theme weeks, and this is not degrading to women in any well, in any way. We just said, you know, we we knew the girls we knew. We want, you know, one week we would date girls from a different residential college area. Maybe a week after, we wanted a double date, um, maybe local Binghamton people. And oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and we would encourage we we had pledges. So, I guess maybe this is wrong, but we would encourage them or force them to find to, us dates. To find us dates, <laughs> and we would double date. <laughs> And we, we, we did that for really a while. really into the double dating thing. In fact, Laura, Steve's wife, was one of the double dates. That's right. Oh, by the way, the, 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 the general... Laura, by the way, Laura was the greatest girl. Oh, she we love Laura. Nice. We, we did double date with her, right? We did. Julianne and, and Laura. Yes, correct. And then Julianne... After, see, the thing is, me and Brian, whenever we do these double dates, Brian would have a girlfriend for six months because you... <laughs> for some reason, you were like that. And my relationships didn't tend to last very long. And um, so you dated Laura for a while, and I, I put do. The time and then Julianne ended up dating Ian Garrett. That's correct. That's right. And they were great girls. I Nicole agree. did too, by the way. Who? who yeah, what's not to like about Ian? So uh, we had those theme dates going. I was dating Nicole freshman year. I went home for the uh, for the break for the summer break, yeah. and I came back sophomore year, and she, <laughs> she was, was dating Ted. Just I mean, not, not Ted, uh, Ian. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. Oh my God! I remember this when we dated two girls from college in the woods that residential college and um i forget who yours date was but my date um a very attractive girl i don't remember her name and we went to across the street to scores or what it was called carlton at the time yeah and i was sitting in like this lifeguard chair with her so very publicly out with her and then i found out like the next day or the day after that this huge guy from the basketball team it was his girlfriend or <laughs> <laughs> and and he heard he had seen it got back to him that she was out with me and everyone want, always wanted to beat you up. That's right. I mean, seriously, I could go on story after story of people who wanted to beat you up. That's right. So in this case, I heard this guy wanted to beat me up. He was six foot eight, and that was concerning. With the afro. <laughs> That's right. From from, yes, uh, from, from Fletch. From yep. Fletch. So um, so remember a couple days later we have a fraternity party in our house, and apparently this guy shows up, and I think it's over for me. And I don't know if you remember the story. I, I vaguely do remember it. This is worth telling. He, people, you know, people like, watch your back. He's about, you know, he's going to kill you. And as the night went on, I guess he got very drunk. And what happened is she had just broken up with him. And this was his love of his life. And that's why, you know, the story got back that he wanted to kill me. At some point I said, instead of waiting to get killed, I'm just going to go up to him. So I go up to him and I start talking to him. <laughs> and great. he's distraught. By what? By having her, she dumped him, and he's almost in tears and he's crying. So everything switched. He wasn't going to beat me up at that point. He was, he was just a blubbering mass. But I then spent another next hour of my life trying to convince him. him. Yeah, like no, listen. It was one date. I'm. I, if I had known about a great guy like you with her, I would. I would even gone on that date. And then I started giving him advice. I said, "Listen, this is what you got to do." Okay, first of all, we're done. I said, you, you can't chase that. Because he was such a blubbering mess, he was going to, should I ride her a card? Should I buy her roses? I'm like, don't do any of that. You got to act like you don't care. 
Better yet, go find a girl of your own and, and let her see. And then that's the only chance you, you have of getting her back. If you start chasing her, you'll never get Was her. Was this a Shenango guy? I don't remember. Shenango basement guy? I had been drinking that night. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm giving advice about getting the girl back, but it, I thought that was funny. It's hilarious. No. And the craziest part is that we remember who the guy, the guy but we don't remember the girl. <laughs> That's right. I think no we, idea. we called her, she had very blonde hair. I think we called her Whitey or something. Yeah, well, I, I platinum blonde had a, a, a girl I was dating named Christine LaRocque. I remember her well. Remember her? Of course. And Rich Corrin. Speaking of the pledges, <laughs> the pledges finding us dates, Rich Corrin found her from, from College in the Woods. Who is, who is our counter? Oh, this is. She was the counterpart of the girl I just told you about. Of Julianne or this girl? Yeah, I think it was this girl. Christine LaRocque's um, friend. friend was the girl yes, we just told Yeah, I think that's about. right. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, and you dated her for a long time. I mean, a long time back in college. For it was like months. three weeks. Uh, it, sound, it always felt like you had a girlfriend. <laughs> I, I guess so. I, I mean, you're right. Yep. You're right. Okay, here, we're at 35 minutes. I got to keep this moving. After Binghamton, I go off to Hofstra Law School. And then a year later, guess what? You go to Hofstra Law School. It's my only choice. <laughs> you told me that. That's right. You got to come to Hofstra Law School. It's great. You really did. And by the way, and you, I remember you came up to school to visit, and you had a Hofstra sweatshirt. And I'm like, that's wrong. That looks great. And I, and by the way, I think the most persuasive thing is I had made law review when I was successful there. That's right. And I think the view was, if Brian can make law review and be successful, this is school for me. I, I'm going to just walk in and do great. That's right. So we went to Hofstra. I don't remember having a ton of Hofstra stories with you. Did we have a lot? Not together. I had, I mean, I think at that point, my stories were mostly with like Brad Gross and yeah. Steve because we were a year behind you. Yeah. You were in the same section as Elise, right? Yeah, and Elise. Elise yeah, was course. In, your, in your class. That's right. That's great. So we can skip over Hofstra real quick. I mean, what is Hofstra? We, oh, by the way, at the end, remind me, we have to come back to foosball. Or we could say that. Absolutely. But so we have Hofstra. I, I'm a year ahead of you. You're there. A year later, Lon. Comes to Hofstra because he had to come too, right? And Dave Robinson. That's right. Well, that's right. They all we all came. So they all did. and Rich Corn. That, that's right. So um, Hofstra was great, right? We liked Hofstra. Yeah, it was uh, continuation I of college to some degree, right? I I really did make the most socially of Hofstra. Like I I just didn't unfortunately study that much. I really enjoyed my time there. Yeah, we had great bars. It was a great transition. We lived in good in good places, and we were all there together. So it was like a continuation. Imagine having graduated from Binghamton, just going and getting a job without having those three years at. It law must school. have sucked the first year when you went and you didn't have anybody there. Well, but you, know, you met Dave Gerard. I, I did, and we'll save that story. But by the way, I I actually met other people too. It wasn't like I sat in my room. Like, I that, lost you guys. That's my memory, but if you're saying it's not true, then I'm sure it's not <laughs> well, true. Well, I did visit Binghamton a lot, you and did. that's how I met, met Elise, actually, right. on one of my trips to Binghamton when I'd already graduated. But, all right, so I think we can skip Hofstra. Oh, no, the Brad Gross story from the from the, the motorcycle. <laughs> you want to do that one? We have to. Okay. And I recently confronted him about it, so it's not like it's uh, – if he hears this, he would – It doesn't matter if he, if he had yeah. consented. We, this and, in story. fact, when I brought it up to him recently – he was like, ap- he goes, 100% true, which is ironic. <laughs> Tell the story. So at some point, there's some parts of it that are vague but or or, uh, or not so clear to me. But we were living together, and at some point, I was considering maybe getting a motorcycle. Yep. So uh, <laughs> Brad came out with a statement and said, you can't get a motorcycle because it is a fact that 100% of people that own motorcycles have an accident. 100%. 100%. Right. 
And we were like, well, Brad, that, that can't be true. You're saying that if anybody that... Obviously, you think it's dangerous, but you don't mean 100%. 100%. And he was like, no, 100% of people that have a motorcycle have an accident. <laughs> and, and, I mean, I don't even have to explain it much more. It's like the most <laughs> idiotic thing you could ever say. And by the way, Postscript... Is it Postscript? Brad, when I, when I reconnected with him recently and I brought this story up, he said that he was working in the Nassau County DA's office and there was a poster that said... A hundred percent of people. <laughs> well, that can't be true. It can't be true. Because that's ridiculous. That's right. But, hey, and so we didn't just let it go. We, we for the next 15 minutes, we're with him trying to say, okay, coming at it Try from every angle. Try to explain it to him. Okay, that's so right. when you say a hundred percent, Brad, that means literally everybody who's ever had Owned a motorcycle, a motorcycle has, has gotten to an accident. Naturally, Brad, you don't think that. He's like, no, no, I do think that a hundred percent. Well, what if someone had a motorcycle for a week? That's right. And, what if a and he, and he wouldn't back down. No, no, he just doubled no, down. He doubled down. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he just wouldn't get it. He was like, this is a fact, and that's it. And and then for for the next 30 years, this has been an ongoing joke with us. Yeah, like yeah. Anytime somebody says something, this no, so But sure. anytime 100%, 100% comes up. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, I'm going to have to move us along. We both clerked for the same judge, didn't we? Oh, well, you, you hooked me up. Uh, I actually got you that? You did. All right. Let me, let me take a step back. So while we were in law school, it was very common as a first-year law student. The woman whose last name was Israel. That's right. So as a first-year law student at the end of the summer, you know, you're not going to get a real paying job, but you want to get an internship. And a friend of my family got me an internship at the Bronx County Courthouse Correct. with Judge Mazur, who was, Judge Mazur was the greatest. He, he was in his 80s. He was a senior judge. And um, I'll tell two quick stories with Judge Mazur. So Judge Mazur, I would go in twice a week. And... We had a murder trial, which is, a, you know, in the Bronx, that's not uncommon. But, you know, to, to be the law clerk, which was what I was right. in the summer of, while a murder trial is going on, is a pretty cool thing. That's awesome. So the murder trials, you know, they impanel a jury. And the first day the trial is happening, I don't know if I told you the story. I don't know if you did. Well, here we go. So they impanel the jury. It's starting. Everybody's sitting in the right places. The, the 12 jurors, the, the prosecutor, the, the um, defense attorney, the, the defendant. And the judge comes out, um, and he says, he basically starts by introducing um, the jury to who is in the room, which is a typical thing. Right. <clears throat> and he says, <clears throat> over there to the right is the district assistant district attorney who's prosecuting the case. Over there at that table is the defendant and, and his attorney. Over This is the court reporter who's going to take down everything that happens. This is the bailiff. And he had had me sit next to him up on, on, the, on bench. the bench. And so I was sitting there. And by the way, Judge Mazur was in his 80s. I was 22, but I, I looked like I was 15. Now. And so it's like, and there's the bailiff, and there's the police officer, and the person sitting next to me is my son. <laughs> Which is funny on so many levels. It was so funny. I wasn't his son, and he was 83, and I looked like I was 16. So right. that's an, you know, there's a little age gap there. Yeah. So, so I had that going. And the other story with Judge Mazur, and I want to turn it over to you because I know you have some Judge Mazur stories. Judge Mazur would like to, he would get tired because he was in his 80s, and he'd like to leave early. But there was a chief judge at the time, Judge Burton Roberts. Yes. And Judge Chief Judge Burton Roberts was the 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 inspiration behind the Bonfire D, of the Vanities. Bonfire of Vanities. He was the DA. He was who the DA in Bonfire of the Vanities was based on. Right. So he would, he would ask me, and I was there, it's like, go check the judge's elevator to see if Judge, judge Roberts is out there because I want to sneak out. 
So I would go out of the chambers. I would go check. I'm like, the coast is clear. I would motion for him to come, and he would he would sneak out. Um, the funny, the best, the, the funny part of all of that was, Judge Bert. A year later, I had I was a summer associate Schulte, and my office mate was Amy Roberts, and she was the niece of of Burton Roberts, and knew him very well. And and um and then even funnier. You sure it was Amy? Yep. Okay. And even funnier was when I was eventually a dryer, um, as a partner. Burton Roberts, was, he was kind of retired, but he became a partner at Dreyer, so he became my partner, Judge I Roberts. didn't know that. Yep. You never told me that. And Judge Andrew Napolitano, who's on Fox yes. News, he was a partner at Dreyer, too. He's uh, from, from Westchester. That's right. Yeah. So um, so you, I guess I got you the internship the next year? You did. So you uh, talked to your friend who got you, your family friend who got you the internship, and yep. she was very nice and got me the internship. Marilyn Israel. Marilyn Israel, yeah. right, right. You were friends with her son. Larry, one of my Larry, childhood buddies. Yeah, that's yep. right. Yep. And I had that internship, and it was it was maybe one of my most enjoyable times of my life. You really enjoyed it? I loved it. Because I didn't really have to do anything. Nope. I got to watch all these trials. And in fact, when I was doing my internship, the Happy Land Social Club trial was going on. Is that right? Yeah. So he was like, so it was you in the go courthouse? out and watch. It was in the courthouse. And you went and watched it? Wow. Yeah. Like 180 people died. It was terrible. It was, uh, right. It was like some illegal social club in the Bronx that uh, caught on fire. Someone someone set it on fire, I think. That's right. And so you really segued into the next thing. You were an assistant district attorney, not in some little local place, but at the Bronx, which yeah. is like, it you're going to be an assistant DA. awesome. Tell us a quick story awesome. about that. The, I, I, we, we're going so long, but we have so many good stories. Well, we, we can just end no, no, we're never going to end. Tell some, tell a, tell a, tell a great assistant DA story from the Bronx that people who aren't lawyers would really love. I once had a guy, and he was, he was a, a driver for a, um, a Mr. Softy ice cream truck, <laughs> and maybe they, maybe they had accused him of, of selling drugs out of the truck or something, and but I knew he was a Mr. Softy guy, and when his arraignment came up, I, I swear to you, this is true. As we were getting ready to do the arraignment, very loudly in the courtroom, you could hear the Mr. Softy music. <laughs> and everyone's like, what is going on? And I walked in behind the courtroom. There was like a hallway with windows. And all of these Mr. Softy trucks were parked out there playing their music <laughs> in, in solidarity with their, with, their bre- with their brother, Mr. Softy guy. That's the funniest thing ever. It was hilarious. That sounds made up. It's, I know it sounds made up, and sometimes I have to think, am I making this up? But it's a true story. Well, you know, speaking of you as a lawyer and as, as a prosecutor, I do have this from one of our listeners who wanted me to make this point. <laughs> Real time? Yeah. <laughs> this point was, this, this particular listener who knows you said, I love how Brian passes no judgment on convicted attempted kidnappers or torturers, now that you're a criminal <laughs> defense attorney, but if you're a tobacco smoker... He won't go near you. <laughs> he just—that's just so offensive to you. I, I what don't, do you do? You, do you think this? What do, you, what do you make of that? I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't want to date someone who was a smoker. Yeah, I mean, you get the idea. He's the most tolerant guy in the world, so long as you don't smoke cigarettes, <laughs> then you're dead to you. Is well, that true? I I don't know. I don't know who this. <laughs> I can't even guess who this person is because it doesn't seem like right. You sure oh. that they know who, who you're interviewing? Yeah, it's funny. I think they do know you because it's Lon. Lon gave me that. What are your Lon, best friends? Lon of remembers all time. more about my history than I do by far. <laughs> I, I don't know. 
I don't really know you, much. Do you deny it? I deny it. All right. So you're on the, you're on the record for denial. I think that's right. But he, he knows better. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. Lon got a great memory. Um, all right. I've been dominating this. Is there any particular topic that you came here wanting to discuss? <laughs> <laughs> I put him on the spot. Let's you, just... I mean, tell I, me what the topic is. No, no, I, I could, I could do it. Well, actually, you know, it's mean, funny. We're getting a lot a, we're, of. Well, hold on a second. We're getting a call from one of our listeners oh, I love who's dialing that. in and wants to maybe ask a question. Is it Carol? Oh, hey. oh. <laughs> welcome to Pride Time. Uh, you're on the air. Oh my God! I can't, I can't believe I got through. I've been trying for so long. <laughs> um, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> um, I've been listening since. You first went on the air way back in February. Uh, I had a question. First off, it's an honor to speak to you, Brian. Yeah, well, uh, we're glad to have you. To be a oh, yeah, sure. Uh, what, what question do you have for Brian Waller? Well, I mean, I'm just, to have such an intelligent guy being interviewed, <laughs> I just want to maybe get a little advice from him. I, I'm currently divorced, but I'm thinking of getting back together with my ex-wife. <laughs> And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, I would say do not, under any circumstances, get back together with your ex-wife. What? Why? It doesn't matter. Just never. Even though you don't know her and we don't know each other. Well, the truth is, I don't really know if she's the one who was in the wrong or her or or you were the one in the wrong. I really don't know. Do I do I sound abusive? Sometimes. I understand. Sometimes. Anyway, I just, I, I, I don't want to, you know, I know you have other callers. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Um, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, caller. And, uh, we really appreciate your support. Thank you. I'm out. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> but anyway, it was just a, just a caller. Of course. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know you took calls. Yeah, yeah. That was we, great. You know, the, the podcast is obviously evolving. So, so. Here, here's a little bit of a funny thing. So, I, uh, I am a, a criminal defense lawyer, and my, one of the greatest benefits of being your friend, Bri, <laughs> is that I've gotten many, many clients from f- through you. Most of them have been already guests on the show. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And for the most part, you've had good success representing these degenerate friends. I've, got, I've gotten great results for them. <laughs> That's right. And I've made... A lot of money representing them as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the word was pro bono. It's a Latin word. That's right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, that's right. So, uh, all right. So, uh, there's a few things. I mean, we're, we're at 52 minutes now, and um, I want to hit a few things before we close it out. Um, you're with a currently with a girl named Leslie, right? That's right. So, tell us about Leslie. Uh, so, you forgot to talk about my history of mar- my marriage history, well, I just my marital history. I didn't think it was my place to go there, but you're, feel free to yeah, disclose so what I'm, you wish. I am, uh, I'm twice divorced. Boy. N- neither were, was my fault. <laughs> neither were my fault. And uh, uh, so now I'm with Leslie, and she's a really great girl, and I'm planning to spend the rest of my life with her. Um, but we had a Just good, like the first two. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. No, and, and like I'm doing better each time. So the way I see it is my first one lasted about four and a half years. My second one lasted 15 years. The l- next one I'm sure is going to be longer. And how much longer could I possibly no, have no, to live? I don't think you're going to even break any records w- with your current health status. That's but, what I mean. But you said you're currently with, currently with Leslie. But yeah. am I right 
that there was a different Waller with her before you? That's right. So, so that's right. Is that I heard that, but so I... Leslie and I are from the same town. And she also grew up on Cedar Lane and then moved to Yorktown. No, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> that would have been great. So we both were from Yorktown. I went to Lakeland High School. She went to Yorktown High School. Uh, she's six years younger than me and knew my brother. So in high school, her boyfriend was my brother Brandon's uh, best friend. Okay. And it turned out that after I think that Leslie and her boyfriend broke up, she had a night where she hooked up with my brother. You're trying, I did like not you, know her at the time. It was just a simple one-night hookup? I think they just made out. They, he went over to her place to watch a movie, and they, they made out. That was it? Yeah. That you know of? And at one point, I made a joke about it and didn't know that, that my brother's wife didn't know the story. Okay. So that was uh, not, not cool. Okay. And is there a photo that's interesting? Yeah. So uh, we discover, So it also turns out that Leslie's best friend since elementary school was uh, a very close family friend of mine and the family friend after leslie and i started dating because that family friend did not set us up we met on an online dating site but she found a photo from her wedding in 2002 and it's leslie was one of the bridesmaids so it's it's this family friend and the two bridesmaids one of which is leslie and if you look behind them (laughs) Clear as day, it's me standing there because we were at the same wedding. So there's three bridesmaids taking a picture, and in the way just background, some guy. there's some guy walking through the screw through right. the frame. Clear and as it's day, you. and it's me, and it's the funniest it's photo ever. I might have to link it to the. Uh, you can link it for sure. All right. So, uh, you like Leslie? Before we end, by the way, yeah. I brought a few gifts for you. <laughs> Bring them out. All right. By the way, this is now we're now we're talking. That's right. And it was. Oh my god. <laughs> I still have this. This is for you. Because Wait, frankly, you know, I, have not, no... I will not take your... No, you have Okay, to. Brian has just handed me one of the first Tep t-shirts we had from college. Oh, my God, look at this. This is an original Tep t-shirt. That's right. I have pictures. This one has a lot of stains I can't take on it. The, I can't take these. I mean, you're gonna wear, you probably these, wear them all the time. These were the t-shirts, our first Rush oh, Pledge t-shirts. Oh, look at this. Top 10 reasons to rush Tep on the back of the t-shirt. Number three, we have cool parties. Number five, because. Number seven, dollar for dollar, we're the best friends you can buy. Number nine, chicks dig us. Number four, because you can pick your friends, you can pick your your nose, and you can pick your friends' noses. Pick a winner, rush tap. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's not even not terribly unfunny. That's good. If I could find it, I would have brought you my OP T-shirt too. Oh, we didn't talk oh, about foosball. We have so we many things. We, and I, I brought you one other gift as well. You 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 gave me back one of my Brian coins. No, this is my Brian coin. You're giving me your Brian coin. That's right. But I usually I usually give them out. <laughs> <laughs> let me see. So um, I I think you know we're we're approaching. We didn't an hour. get to talk to about about atheism. We didn't oh my get to God, talk yeah. about a lot of things. But maybe we'll have well, to have well, another episode. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there just so people want to come back for the the, the follow up. Brian is a militant atheist. He's a top foosball player. An observant Jew. Yes, <laughs> he's a he's a uh, top foosball player. He's a good friend of Tim, who's going to be on the podcast very soon. And uh, you know, we got to bring you back for all that stuff. But so before we close, I, you know, you have a son, and his name is Ethan. That's right. He's uh, fourteen. That's right. And uh, you know, again, the whole idea of this podcast, a big part of it, is that fifteen, twenty years from now. 
maybe a kid might want to listen to it. Uh, I think you would love it after we do some heavy editing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you don't think you can listen to this? No, of course you could. All right. So tell us about Ethan real quick and say some nice things about him so uh, you look like a good dad. He's a great kid. I love him to death. He's a really good guitar player, really good oh, he's great. soccer School player. Of rock. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's he's, I've seen the videos. He's, a, he's awesome. He does, a, he does a great job. Yep. He does really well in school, and uh, he's an awesome kid. What's he think of me? He loves you. <laughs> you know he does. <laughs> you've, been, you've been ingraining that idea in his head yeah. since he was a little kid I, going to Woodlock. That's right. That's right. Yes, but you are definitely his favorite person at Woodlock. Yep. Is there something, you know, if, as we close now, is there something that we just have to quickly say or a particular story or something like a one minute way to end it? We didn't talk about when I was arrested. We have so many things. Well, I wasn't to talk sure about. if we wanted to talk about the arrest, but uh, well, I've disclosed it to everybody. Yeah. So. Well, you, you do tend to disclose more than you should. I'm a discloser. Elise doesn't want me to disclose, you know, that I'm 51, but you can disclose, you know, yes. multiple arrests. I'm an oversharer. Yes, <laughs> you are. Well, um, I think we're going to be good. I mean, I don't know. Should I be a slave to an hour or should I keep going? Should we should keep it to an hour? You think so? Yeah. I think when people start to see it going over an hour, that's right. They might not listen. They're like, yeah, I'm going to skip they that don't episode. Listen, yeah, if they don't listen to you, fifty-four oh. minutes is your is your number. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Brian, what'd you think of the the whole experience? It was great. <laughs> it is fun. It for was a lot of fun. But why is I it fun? Wanna, like, I wish, I'm disappointed out? that it's ending. It's so weird, isn't it? Look, what is what what adds fun to this other than what we normally have the kind of conversation? Well, honestly, like you're you're directing the conversation so there's no pressure and i i d- discussed it with lon that you know like i felt that initially a lot there's a lot of pressure to be interesting to have some good stories to tell but i don't really have to i can just sit back and if it's a really sucky podcast it's your fault that's right that's not right. mine so um well let's let's end it now do you have any advice you'd like to give to kids out there who are trying to make it like you or Try to keep your marriage total to under three. <laughs> you know, I don't think we can beat that to end this. Or try to keep your – just keep going. Just keep why going. Do we, why should we limit the number of times we've been married? I'm, I'm sure Leslie's very happy to be hearing this when she listens three to Three is the a perfect number <laughs> to be married. Three times a charm. I mean, there's so many expressions about and you get three right. being the best number. How, how are you supposed to know the right woman for you when you're 25, when you when you met Tali? Or, That's right. Like, you know, you're and we different. tend to learn from our mistakes. Yeah. I made a lot of mistakes. But now you've gotten it right. That's right. And we're a big fan of Leslie. She's hey, great. Leslie, I said that. She's terrific. I do like Leslie a lot. And Elise said that when we, she did in the green room That's, before we you started. You asked her to say something nice about me, <laughs> and she said, I, like, I love Leslie. <laughs> That's right. She did say that. Yes. All right. Brian, you have the last word. Shout. <laughs>